Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Fellowship Church family, are you ready? Every person who came in here has a jack-in-the-box. There he is. Now, we don't come to church like this. We come to church like this or like this. But we have one. It is that version of you, that version of you that Paul called the flesh, or he even referred to him in the New Testament as the old man. It's that version of you that, if you're not careful, will say something to your wife that you should have never said. Because your Holy Spirit-filled, worshiping, loving on God's self would have never let those words come out of your mouth, right? And it's that version of you, ladies, that will say something that you maybe shouldn't have said, done something you may... It's that jack-in-the-box. It's that part of you that comes out from time to time that doesn't look too saved, doesn't look too spiritual. And the truth is, we all have them. And our goal is not to evict him, because we can't. Our goal is to keep him arrested so he can't do any further damage. Am I right? When you look through the Bible, the Old and New Testament, you will find that this jack-in-the-box in God's children's life is what caused God's love empowered children to miss out on blessings, to do things and say things, and to act in such a way that the Heavenly Father would have to come in and rescue them. They would say, oh, we're in a mess, we're sorry. He would come in and rescue them, and then they, boom, they, they do it again. So this is nothing new, and it is not something that any child of God in this day and age or ever will be exempt from. The issue is not eviction of the jack-in-the-box, the old nature. The issue is arresting him. Now, I'm going to give you a story. It starts back in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. I'm going to tell you this story, watch this, from chapter 12, jumping to chapter 17, and then jumping to chapter 20. So watch how it progresses from 12 to 17 to 20 as we talk about how to keep Jack in the box. It's a story of a young couple. Her name is Sarai. His name is Abram. Genesis chapter 12 on the side screen. At that time a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt. Now, a famine just is a picture of something in your life drying up. It could be a job drying up. And you're wondering, well, I thought I was going to be at this job forever. But sometimes God will allow a resource or a provision, a type of provision in your life to disappear, go away, or dry up because he's trying to get you to something better. But because of fear, you'll hang on to something longer than you should hang on to it, not realizing it was just a tool God was trying to use to get you somewhere else. So when you won't move on your own because of fear, God will simply let it dry up. And that's what happened. Out of fear, he moved forward. We got to be provided for. And the Bible says it 
forced him to move forward. He goes down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. And as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Ah, every woman likes to hear that, don't they? You're a very beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is, let me put it in the reflection, in the inflection you need to understand. This is his wife? See the inadequacy that's going on here? I'm, I'm way over my head. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is his wife? Now, they never said anything. Abram is assuming this in his own mind. Need to remember the famine? Need to remember the assumption. So, have you ever, have you ever, man, have you ever felt like that you have married way over your head? Have you ever felt like that? For years now, I have looked out at this congregation, and I want to assure every man in here, every one of you have married way over your head. Just want you to know that. So he says this. He said, they said, they're going to say, is he, he, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Now, nobody ever said that. This is his imagination. Let's kill him, and then we can have her. So please tell them, he's talking to his wife, that you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Aw, my protector. You're going to turn me over to complete strangers out of your protective care, out of your eye, not knowing whatever it is they're going to do to me so that you can save your own skin. Oh, you sure know how to get to the heart of a woman, don't you? That is just the sweetest thing. Now, here's the crazy thing, ladies. She goes along with it. Now, here's my first question. Who is this woman? Because I know a lot of women, and I think I know the women of Grand Junction of, and, and of Fellowship Church, and I don't know of any woman that would have thought that was a good idea. Most of the women I know would have said, oh, wait a minute now, you're going to turn me over to complete strangers? Well, I'll tell you what, you hand me over like I'm nothing to a very rich king, and I'm not coming back, Jack. <laughs> Am I right? But she just goes for it. She said, okay, this, this, this is going to be okay. And so, and so all of a sudden, before you know it, before you know it, Abram does something that is incredibly stupid. I mean, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that in Genesis chapter 12, there's this jacked up version of Abram. Genesis chapter 17, they have an encounter with God. And in this encounter, God says, Abram, if you will trust me, I am going to make you the father of a multitude. I am going to, if you will trust me, I am going to change your name to Abraham. From Abram to Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. And I am going to bless you and more descendants than you can possibly imagine. Then he says, and to your wife Sarai, I am going to make her the mother of many nations, and kings will come out of her in future generations. I'm changing her name from Sarai, which means my princess to Sarah, which means the mother of many nations. Now, before I go any further, I want you guys to see the elevation that God does for the life of Sarah, Rye to Sarah. Every woman and every girl ought to feel like a princess. And the word Sarai means my princess. So obviously she had been treated like a princess her entire life. And every little girl and every woman should feel like somebody's princess. Am I right? 
But there comes an elevation in the life of a 20-year-old woman, a 30-year-old woman, or maybe a 40-year-old woman, where you must move from being my princess and everything being about you to being a mother and everything being about somebody else. And it is not a down-level move. It is always an elevation. When God blesses a woman from being all about you to being... Listen, if you're 40 or 50 years of age and you're still wearing your tiara, it is tarnished and it doesn't fit anymore. Get it off and make your life about your children and no longer about you because that is a blessing that comes straight from your Heavenly Father. So take a look at this now. They're renamed. He's got a recommission, a destiny promise that's coming his way. He's empowered. He has an encounter with God in Genesis chapter 17. It's an amazing thing. But then in Genesis 20, they move from Egypt to a place called Gerar. And as they're moving, now listen to me, the emotions kick in. Before it was a lack and a provision and how are we going to feed ourselves, that's heavy emotions. Now all of a sudden there's an emotion of unsettled. She no longer has sticks to hang on to. She no longer has a home to put her clothes in. So there's an unsettling that goes on in the emotions with a move from Egypt down to Gerar. And Abraham says to her, you're really pretty, and when we go into this new land, would you please tell them you're my sister and not my wife? He does the very same thing to her again. The same Jack we saw in chapter 12 comes back up in chapter 20, even though he had a chapter 17 encounter with God experience. How in the world can that be possible? You see, you can still have Genesis 12 moments when you're living in a Genesis 20 season. And the reason for that is because when different things hit your emotions, not your spiritual life, but your emotions, pretty soon you realize if I mismanage my emotions, it'll mismanage my life. Look at that on the side. When we mismanage our feelings, they will lead us to mismanaging our life. And you say, well, wait a second, I have put my hope and my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a born-again child of God. Look at this. Your spiritual passion and dedication and commitment are not substitutes for an emotional health. Man. So if that's the truth, please don't judge me for who I really am by the occasional appearance of my jacked-up self. Please don't think that I'm not saved. Please don't think that I love, don't love God. Please don't think that I don't, I don't worship Him. Please don't think less of me spiritually when my emotional self jacks me up from time to time. Please don't judge me by that because it's two different issues. It's two different issues. Well, if I'm not going to allow my feelings to manage me, I'm going to have to learn what my triggers are. I'm going to have to learn then, since I can't evict them, how to keep them arrested when the enemy is winding me up. When something happens at the workplace, when something happens at home, when somebody says something to what are the triggers that cause the enemy to wind me up to the point to where my safe self is overtaken by what my old self used to look like? What are those triggers? 
Well, triggers can be statements, situations, circumstances that elicit an automatic reaction from us that causes us to engage in behavior that could bring about our destruction. And triggers are one thing, but we can be way more susceptible to those triggers if we're not careful. And there's four ways, if we're not careful in our life, that can make us more susceptible to those. And we can remember those by the acronym HALT. Those four letters. The first is if we're hungry. If we are hungry. Now, you know, we all know what it feels like when we're hungry. In fact, you guys are in the 11 o'clock service. You know you're going to be going to lunch after this. Your stomach's growling. You get that kind of hunger. But what I'm talking about here is feeling empty due to an unmet need. Mm. An unmet need. When we teach our marriage seminars here at Fellowship, we emphasize the, the most important thing that we teach is understanding each other's needs. We all have them. And it's not need like a physical hunger, but it can be the need of affection. Oh. I mean, you and many of us have that love language of affection. And that love language from affection is supposed to, we're supposed to have that need met from our spouse. But if we don't, we can literally send our uh, spouse out hungry for affection. And you don't want your spouse looking for affection from anyone else. You can have maybe the hunger for understanding. Do you know how many affairs happen because somebody is not being felt, felt, uh, be made to feel understood at home or listened to at home? So they go to work and they meet somebody and somebody makes them feel understood and listened to. And that's where that attraction begins. That's where that, that passion starts to ignite. Maybe it's attention. I mean, maybe time is something for you that you just, I need so much time with my spouse that time, when I'm with them and, and we spend quality time together, I feel loved. If you don't have that, you will start looking to spend time with somebody else that meets that need. And so, and, and sometimes it's not, it's not about uh, uh, an unmet need with, uh, in a marriage. Maybe it's about the fact that you have an unmet need as far as accomplishments, Maybe you think that you're not where you need to be and you're not content with where you, sh where you think you should be in life. And so you have this unmet need. So we are constantly saying, hey guys, don't send your spouse to work hungry. But at the same time, you better communicate to your spouse what your needs are because nobody's a mind reader. Nobody's a mind reader. So are you hungry? You got to ask yourself that question. Are you angry? Anger, angry with situations, with people. A lot of times we're just angry with ourselves. We fail, we mess up. Jack has come out of the box one too many times, and we're upset with ourselves. Anger builds, and if it isn't dealt with, we eventually become unhappy and bitter and. It's just, it's just progressive. It has a progressive nature to it. And we need to make sure that we're setting up proper boundaries in our life to stay away from people and situations that are out of our control and frustrate us. For me, and I, I think for, for uh, most guys, frustration, when, ha when frustration happens, anger usually follows. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I struggle with that. I, if frustration enters, then I got to be careful because anger will be right behind it. And I think that also, whether it's a situation or maybe it's a person, and it seems like the people that we love the most are the ones that frustrate us the uh -huh. most and can make us the most angry. I have, a, I have two sisters. I have a really close relationship with one. I don't have a good relationship with the other. Uh, that sister, we grew up in the same house. She was older than me. 
and she's always been in a point at points in her life where she's always made the wrong decisions. Mm. And she started off, she, she, unfortunately, she got pregnant very, very young, which started her down a, a road that was just not healthy. She became, uh, had, got eating disorders. She was a self-abuser. Then she's got a, a, a really into drugs and, and she's never got over it. She, the pains that she felt when she was younger, she's never got over them. And now she is closing in on 60 years old and she's still addicted to drugs. Oh. She's, she doesn't ha she's been through, I don't know how many marriages. And for me and our family, what we always try to do is we tried to fix her. We tried to help her. We tried to bring her through the situation. My parents spent, I don't know how much money just getting her into counseling and moving her from bad situations into better situations. And, and we went on rescue missions for her. My entire entire childhood. Mm. I never remember a time where we could have something, a, a family function where she didn't come up in conversation because we were all worried about where she was going. And this led to bitterness and anger mm. and frustration to the point where I remember one day I absolutely just lost it. And I went in and one of those standing boxing guys, I just beat the <laughs> heck out of that thing. Just yeah. beat it up. And, and it felt good, but right after it was over, after I just, it, I had, that's, you know, I won, I won. Oh, good. But after I won, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he's like, when are you going to give her to me? When are you going to quit trying to control this situation? When are you going to see that I am the only one that can fix her? Yeah. And at that point, I had to set up boundaries. And we have to set up boundaries with those people in our life that we can't help because they won't help themselves, that bring frustration and anger in our life. We can't allow those people to pull us into their tornadoes because yeah. they will every time, which can lead to anger in our lives. So mm. hunger, anger, how about loneliness? Yeah, dangerous. Nobody does good with the trigger of loneliness. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you're away from your family for a day and you get kind of lonely. That's normal. I'm talking about prolonged states of loneliness. And when we are talking about that, what we're talking about is the times when we would draw into ourselves out of fear or doubt. If we go into long stages of loneliness, it's our fault. We have to make sure that we're putting ourselves out there, even if we have been through loss and betrayal, which we all have. We've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed, but we can't get caught up in crucifying new people in our life for other people's sins. You ever caught, got caught into that? And then you get to a point where you don't trust anymore. You don't put yourself out there anymore. And then you become isolated and you become alone and then you become susceptible. It's a trigger. And then the T stands for tiredness, being drained physically, emotionally or spiritually. We've always taught from the platform, watch your tanks, right? You have a physical tank, you have a spiritual tank, you have an emotional tank. Make sure that those are filled because when they're empty, we're susceptible. For, uh, for, for all of us, we have to make sure that we're getting enough rest. We are recreating and we are getting exercise. And these are non-negotiables, guys. We, we can't negotiate with these. We can't play with these. I mean, if we want to be healthy, if we want to be happy, if we want to be able to handle life in, the, in situations and we want to keep this guy in the box, we've got to do those three things. And as yeah. we age and yeah. as we get older, we've got to change that up as far as what that looks like. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the things now that I used to do in my twenties to give me that recreation and that exercise. I'm just not going to do it. So we have to change it up. So, so for me recently, what I've done is, as I've gotten back into mountain biking, I have, I broke my back twice in high school. And so there's certain things I cannot do. And so I, but biking, I can, and this is a beautiful place to mountain bike and yeah. to road bike. And, and it doesn't hurt my back. And man, it's just crazy. And you go, well, gosh, you go out there, you're working out, you're riding all that way. Doesn't that make you more tired? It's the opposite of that. When you do it, when you start to get in shape, you come back and you feel energized. You feel like, oh man, I can take on the day. And for guys, it's so important that we keep uh, uh, adventure in our life and excitement. And, and let me tell you, the mountain bike trails around here, you just, you're just trying not to die, okay? So it is, it is an adventure <laughs> and it is exciting and man, it, it will bless you. But we've got to figure out what that is for each and every one of us. What, what can we do to make sure that, that we're not tired? we're tired, man. We could be getting in trouble real quick. So halt. Hunger, anger, loneliness, being tired. But how do I manage Jack until deliverance comes? How do I, because we didn't get this way overnight. I mean, this, we, this is a process, right? He, this is a process. We can't get rid of him overnight. But how do we manage him? How do we, what do we do on a daily basis to try to keep him where he needs to, to be? Well, first of all, it's simple. And it always goes back to this, right? Prayer. But specifically, we have to ask the Holy Spirit for assistance. Go specifically for the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, because he is what is dwelling within you. He understands you. He knows the jack you're dealing with. And so I praise, we need to praise two specific things. First of all, for divine enablement. Yeah. God, man, I, I just need miraculous intervention, miraculous strength to defeat my Jack right now. But sometimes if those other areas, maybe we're really tired or we're really lonely, we don't even have the strength to want to resist even with supernatural intervention. So we need to pray for divine interruption. Sometimes we just need to say, God, allow something to happen to distract me right mm. now. And, it, and he will. You get a phone call from your spouse when you're about ready to go somewhere on the internet you're not supposed to. You're, you're, maybe you're in the, in the living room and you're starting to watch something you shouldn't. And your kids run in. That is divine interruption. Mm -hmm. And you need to welcome that. But we've got to pray quick and we've got to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do some intervention on our behalf. Yeah, you've got to avoid assumptions too. Because see, this is what happened with Abraham. He assumed something that was not true. He imagined in his mind that they're going to kill him and take his wife. Nobody ever threatened to kill him and take his wife. It's just what he assumed. And your feelings are altered by what you believe. And if you believe what God says or what somebody else says or even what your mind says, then your feelings can be altered by that. You see, when he, if he would have just believed what God said, you're going to be the father of a multitude and your wife's going to be the mother of, uh, of, of many nations. He would have gone into Gerar in chapter 20 differently. He would have said, I made a mistake back in 12. We had an encounter with God. He told us that our future was tied to each other. So I am not going to give away the most important person in my life that our destiny is tied to. You're going to be the baby mama. And since you're the baby mama and I'm the father of many nations, no matter what Gerard brings our way, you tuck into this arm right here and we'll walk into this city and I'll take care of you. I will lay my life down for you. And if I can't handle it, our Heavenly Father will handle it That's for right. both of us. Right. 
And the enemy wants to put an assumption in your head that is a flat-out lie. Uh, avoid assumptions. Envision the consequences. If we could halt long enough to really think about the consequences of our poor choice, most of the time we wouldn't make the poor choice. If we can just stop for a second, I mean, think about it, think about it. We all have whatever that, whatever we're going to buy into is going to have a consequence. It may be guilt. It may be shame. It may hurt your spouse. It may hurt your kids, whatever it is. It It may be, hey, I don't need to eat all you can eat chicken wings. Okay, there is, there's consequences to that. Yeah. You don't need to do it, right? So count the cost. If you count the cost in advance, which I know a lot of times it's hard to do, especially if you're tired. If you're tired, the last thing you want to do is count the cost of your poor choices. Yeah. But there's always consequences. Yeah, if you're two or three deep into those triggers, you're lonely, you're tired, you're hungry, man, most people don't stop and count the consequences in. It's got to be earlier. And so what helps that? Audit your intake. Audit your intake. The things you're thinking about, the things you're looking at, the, th- the way that you allow things to come into your mind. The Bible says this in, in, in the amplified version of Isaiah chapter 60, arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you, arise to a new life. That is a proactive action on your part to think about that which you were thinking about. You cannot let just everything get into your mind. Let me ask you a question. You think things are worse than they used to be in our world? Come on, nod at me. You talk to me, I'll talk to you. You all think that things are worse. So you think things are more evil than they've ever been? Uh, well, let me, I, I think so too, but let me just, let me say, evil people have always done evil things. Sinful people have always done sinful things. People that do not believe or trust God have always done things, acted out, and put laws into place like people who do not believe in God. But you now have a greater access to news feeds and social media than you have ever had in your entire life. Here's my point. Do you lock the door of your house when you go to bed at night? Yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah, I do. I walk around. We we close the garage door. Did we set the alarm? Did I lock that door back after I went out of back? Uh, We always check them. Why? Because I do not want any strangers to come into the place where I live. Does that make sense? Your mind is where you live. You live in your thoughts. You live in your feelings. And you live in your emotions from time to time. So you have got to lock out anything that is going to come in and mess up you being able to think about these things. Love, joy, peace, happiness, positivity, faith, success, future, conquering, being a child of God and doing what God wants me to do. The promise that he has set out for me has nothing to do with what anyone else says or what the economy is doing or what's happening in politics. I have a God who tells me the life he wants me to live, empowers me to live it, and I can't have any thoughts coming out of me, keeping me from living that kind of life. Imagine if you bought an apartment complex for an investment. Imagine if you rented out those rooms because you needed it to be full to 80% drug addicts, crooks, criminals. And 20% of those rooms in your apartment complex were rented out to good families, people that worked hard for a living, people that are just good people. How long do you think it would take until that 80% of really bad people ran off the 20% of really good? You've got to guard who you rent your rooms out to. 
in your mind. And there are some thoughts you need to evict. I'm sorry, you can't stay here anymore. I'm kicking you out. I'm bringing in a new renter, and that new renter's called joy. That new renter's called happiness. That new is called positivity. I know, I know. Listen, listen, and some of the times you got to evict some people right out of your life in order to get that negativity from coming into your building. You have a God that loves you. There was no reason for fear to keep Abraham from going to the next level. Certainly there's going to be times when provisions dry up. That's just life. And certainly there's going to be times when you're going to be unsettled in the middle of going from this stage where you were secure to this stage where you were going to be greatly blessed. And it is the fear that gets into your mind that causes your jack to pop out and to miss an opportunity or to say something stupid or to sabotage your own life. He'll do it every time. He's not your friend. And the devil just keeps cranking on that trigger. And watch what happens. Crank all you want, devil. But as long as the Holy Spirit has his hand on me, <laughs> that old Jack ain't coming back out. He ain't coming back out. Would you stand with me, please? Let this world cause you to forget who you are. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Savior, you are His child, my friend. Regardless of your background, regardless of your family life, regardless of the negativity that has been put in you, the cynicism that has surrounded your life, you are a born-again child of an Almighty God. He said no weapon ever formed against you should prosper. You automatically win if you just keep walking out your relationship with the Lord. God's changed you. He's changed your name from being on lock, stock, and barrel by the enemy to being a born-again child of the Most High God. And He wants to make your dreams come true. Do not let fear keep you from where God wants you to be. I'm unsettled right now. Well, good. That means you're going someplace better. Well, my provision's dried up over here. The job's not what it used to be, and they're talking about cutbacks and things like that. Good, good. You should have moved earlier. But now God's moving you forcibly. It's going to be great because you're a child of God. Don't assume anything different in your life than what the Word of God has spoken over your life. Letting your jack come out. You got this. You got this. We come before you with our, our jacked up self. And we know, Lord, that your grace is sufficient and that you were there for us no matter how dark things might get in our life. You, are, you want to walk through every storm right by our side. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that for those of us that have that jack that wants to just keep coming out and messing up our life, I pray, Lord, you, do, you would deliver us from that. If you would just do a miracle for us and just take that completely away, we'll receive that. And in Jesus' name, I think for some of you right now, that's what you're going to get. So deliver us, Lord. But for many of us, like Paul, that a thorn in our flesh asked over and over again for it to be removed and you said no because if I remove it then you won't be dependent upon me so my grace will be sufficient 
For those of us that are in that place, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to handle this jack in our life. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to watch our hunger level, that we would not go down the road of anger and loneliness and and being tired. You put good quality friends in our life and that, Lord, we would just make sure that our tanks are full. And, Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient. We love you and we thank you that you want to deal with our junk, (laughs) that you want to help us through our low points the best for us. We praise you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.